I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Marcus Bronzy here. Now, Star Trek is generally considered a traditionally episodic franchise. That's what worked for television then. Binge watching and streaming was well, well, it wasn't around until relatively recently. By making Star Trek so you could miss an episode without being totally out of the loop worked in its favour. In fact, I think that's why it still makes great rerun material on television. You can dip in and you can dip out. Still, the writers and producers were able to sneak continuing arcs and subplots into the various spin-offs and series with greater frequency. And as the franchise aged, well, we kind of got to an era where we got things like the 10-hour movie-style structure of Star Trek Picard. Alongside that, we can point to the Klingon Civil War, the Dominion War, and the Red Angel storyline in Discovery as successful ongoing plots. But there are a few subplots and arcs that Star Trek has either failed to deliver on, or outright forgotten, or mercilessly jettisoned. So here is a dozen Star Trek subplots that boldly went nowhere. Number 12, Worf and Troy. The romance between Star Trek The Next Generation's Lieutenant Worf and Counselor Troy was a major plot point in TNG's final season. In the episode's parallels and Eye of the Beholder and all good things, the flirtation was juicy and it dated back as far as season five. Now, when the writers saw that Worf and Troy pairing kind of worked in the episode ethics, I think that's where they went, you know what, let's go for it. Now, what followed? were an alternate timeline marriage and a hallucinatory hookup before the two finally made it official. And in the series finale, which also diverted into an alternate timeline in which Troy was dead and Worf never got over his loved one. You know what, Worf, you're a big softie, ain't ya? But whilst the series finale of TNG began with an almost kiss, the next time the audiences saw Worf and Troy in Star Trek Generations, the two about-to-be former Enterprise D officers had apparently split up off-screen in the intervening months. But by the time of Worf's arrival on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and his eventual marriage to Lieutenant Jadzia Dax a couple of years later, the Worf Troy thing wasn't really mentioned. Star Trek Insurrection featured a subtle nod to the pairing when Troy finally reignited her fling with Riker and Worf grudgingly observed that they'd always had feelings for one another. But calling that an acknowledgement, well, that's kind of a stretch. Number 11, the XBs. The setting itself was promising a derelict Borg cube under the command of a shattered Romulan state full of former drones or XBs, including our own favorite, Hugh. I love that Borgie. 
Sadly, much of that promise was ancillary to the plot, and whilst Star Trek Picard centred around Picard, a former drone, and also featured Seven of Nine, the most famous Borg of all, or sorry, ex-Borg of all, and still my crush, the XBs themselves didn't really seem to have much to do with the first season. Even after Seven led the XBs in a mini-revolt against Nerissa and the Romulans, they kind of disappeared, before the end of the season really, and apparently they crashed on Capellius, but who knows? Deleted scenes apparently depicted the XBs going on to live a life of peace with Sung and his hippie android children, but those scenes and any reference to them were sadly omitted from the episode as aired. Number 10. The Phage The Vidians were positioned early on to be Star Trek Voyager's main antagonists in the Delta Quadrant. The Vidians were disgusting, devious and hell-bent on stealing the organs of the innocent Starship crews to save themselves from the phage, the deadly disease. Now, the Vidians weren't just evil, they were multifaceted. Occasionally, we even felt sympathy for them. Even the Doctor fell in love with the Vidian Doctor, Danara, in the episode Life Science. But unlike the Kazon, whose story arc gradually built and was fully resolved by the end of Voyager's second season, the Vidians, well, they never really got the compelling story or climax they deserved. Number 9. The Klingons are coming. After being admitted from the final cut of Star Trek 2009, the Klingons finally made their Kelvin Timeline debut in J.J. Abrams' follow-up, Star Trek Into Darkness. Not only did the Klingons make their debut in Into Darkness, a conflict with the warrior race was explicitly teased by the film by the fear-mongering Admiral Marcus. You know what? Marcus... Admiral... I mean, he's a good Admiral. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm being biased because he's got the name Marcus. I kind of liked him a little bit more than I should have. Anyway, according to Marcus, the war with the Klingons was inevitable. The film not so subtly left the impression that the Klingons would be coming for revenge. And Star Trek Beyond went on to feature zero Klingons, even with a cameo appearance on the planet Altamid cut before shooting. So this major conflict with the Klingons that was hinted at in Star Trek Into Darkness ultimately went unmentioned and unfulfilled in Star Trek Beyond and with no future in the Kelvin timelines in sight, it would appear that Admiral Marcus, I like you Admiral Marcus, well it wasn't going to be so inevitable this war that he was going on about really was it? Number 8. Sela. Denise Crosby's half-Romulan, all-sideburns antagonist never really got the send-off she truly deserved. Yes, Sela was the mastermind of the Klingon Civil War, as hinted at in The Mind's Eye, and ultimately dramatised in the Redemption arc. But Sela's true story began a season prior in yesterday's Enterprise, when her mother travelled back in time and was captured by the Romulans. We learned of Tasha's fate and the origin of Sela in Redemption, but the character's past and her connection to the crew of the USS Enterprise D well, that was never really fully explored. Sela represented a huge story potential that was bafflingly forgotten by the producers. Number 7. Thomas Riker Whilst Thomas Riker could have been relegated to a single appearance in Star Trek The Next Generation's Second Chances, the producers rightly saw that he was a good fit for Star Trek Deep Space Nine's rough-around-the-edges tone and brought Riker back for Defiant. Defiant continued Tom's arc established in TNG, showing him chafing against his role as the second Riker and hooking up with a band of Marquis for a suicide mission to destroy a secret Obsidian Order fleet. The episode concluded with Tom being hauled off to a Cardassian prison, but with a kiss and a promise from Major Kira that they would meet again. And, well, they never did. And Thomas Riker presumably spent the rest of DS9 in a Cardassian labour camp. It's still not clear why DS9 chose not to follow up on this own explicit promise to rescue the character, but 
Thomas Riker was included in the internal materials from the producers as a topic the writers were absolutely not interested in revisiting. Apparently, the Star Trek universe just wasn't for a double portion of the Rikerleen. Number 6. The Warp Speed Limit Star Trek The Next Generation's episode Force of Nature was a forgettable but well-intentioned effort by the writing staff to tackle an ecological issue to end the story with lasting consequences. Now, the seventh season episode revealed that warp drive was threatening the very fabric of space-time and concluded with Starfleet enacting a warp speed limit to help minimise the environmental damage. That's right, space speed bumps. If they wrote this today, you'd probably expect a congestion charge here, a toll road there, there a charge, there a charge, everywhere a space charge. Anyway, the warp speed limit subplot certainly had potential to shake up the franchise's status quo, but the writer Brandon Braga rightly concluded that when you limit the warp drive, the rug is being pulled out from under the Star Trek, and well, thankfully, it was dropped. The warp speed limit was go on to be mentioned a few times in a few more episodes following Force of Nature, uh, the Pegasus and Eye of the Beholder, both times in order to give the Enterprise D permission to exceed that limit. And then, well, never spoke about it again. Whilst behind the scenes material indicated that the variable geometry warp engines employed by the USS Voyager in Star Trek Voyager were intended to counteract the issues raised in Force of Nature. This was never spoken on screen and never accounted for in Star Trek Deep Space Nine or the TNG movies or anywhere ever again. To be fair, I'm pretty glad about that because a bit boring. Number five, Bajor's Federation membership. Deep Space Nine was the pinnacle of serialised Star Trek storytelling with very few of its major threads or subplots going unresolved in the show's seven season run. Whilst the show is famous for the Dominion War arc and to a lesser extent its handling of the Marquis, the primary focus of Deep Space Nine's first few seasons was Bajor and the Cisco missions to bring the Bajorans into the United Federation of Planets. This directive was clearly stated by Captain Picard in the first episode emissary when he said to Cisco, do everything you can short of violating the prime directive to ensure Bajor would be ready to enter the Federation. This goal was nearly achieved too in the fifth season, but in Rapture, well that's the name of that episode, the coming war with the Dominion manifested itself as a vision of Locus over Bajor and Cisco persuaded the Council of Ministers to delay membership for the time being. Now, this issue was flirted with on and off a few times that Bajor's independence became a major plot point by the end of Season 5 and early in Season 6. The Dominion War became Deep Space Nine's driving storyline by then and its final two seasons and Bajor's Federation membership fell by the wayside. Number 4. The Borg Resistance Following the introduction of Seven of Nine in Scorpion Part 2, battling the Borg became a major recurring storyline in Star Trek Voyager while Captain Janeway and the rest of the crew found at least half a dozen new and action-packed ways to defeat their cybernetic foes, a major blow was dealt to the Collective in the two-part episode Unimatrix Zero. In that episode, a cabal of virtually linked drones were freed and began a resistance movement. By the end of the seventh season premiere, members of Unimatrix Zero had a fleet of liberated Borg vessels at their disposal and were positioned to be a novel and exciting way for Star Trek Voyager to conclude its ongoing Borg storyline. But while Voyager went to encounter the Borg twice more, Unimatrix Zero and its XB Freedom Fighters were never heard from again. All the promise of bringing the Borg down from within was forgotten, and Captain Jaime was forced to come up with another way to momentarily 
defeat the Borg once and for all in Endgame, with no mention again of Unimatrix Zero. Number 3. The Klingon War. This one might actually be more accurately described as a main plot that went nowhere. When it premiered, Star Trek Discovery was about what happens when you put a do-gooding Starfleet scientist in the uncomfortable position of fighting a brutal war against a foe that, let's be honest, is fluent in its savagery. Indeed, much of the first half of Discovery's premiere season focused on getting the USS Discovery's spore drive up and running to give Starfleet the edge against the Klingons and win the war. The show swayed between telling us the Klingons were winning and telling us the Federation was winning the war, and then it shunted Disco off into the Mirror Universe for, well, half a season. And by the time the crew returned, the war was basically lost as was all hope. The two episodes that quickly concluded the Klingon War were in reality added to the series, ordered by CBS, possibly indicating that the producers intended to continue the plot into Star Trek Discovery's second season. With two additional episodes added to the schedule, the show found a quick way to wrap things up and move on to greener pastures with the Red Angel, and well, that was that. Number two, Son of, Son of Mo. Because just said grandson of Moog, but I guess that doesn't really doesn't really come off the tongue the same way, does it? Not to pick on Lieutenant Worf's personal life, but the truly recurring thread of Worf and his son Alexander's relationship was about as uninteresting to the writers as it was to the audience. Alexander Ryshenko cropped up in eight episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and four of Deep Space Nine, and neither show really found a compelling story for this poor kid. Alex's time on Star Trek The Next Generation was mostly spent with Worf's adoptive parents, and whilst his recast guest spots on Deep Space Nine were slightly more tolerable, the writers smushed Alexander's storyline and his character to make him look a bit bumbly and clumsy, which, for a Klingon, it ain't a good look. Before, he just kind of sort of disappeared again, and this time he disappeared for good. Number 1. The Temporal Cold War Look, we all know how it works in sci-fi. If you really can't tie up a storyline, a little sprinkle of that time travel seasoning will help you get there. But not too much though, because too much seasoning will spoil the stew. Now included in the series at the behest of United Paramount Network, aka UPN, the Temporal Cold War arc cropped up in 12 episodes throughout Star Trek Enterprise's first three seasons, before being abruptly concluded in the fourth season premiere, Stormfront Part 2. Now, the decision was made by freshly installed showrunner Manikoto, who stated he believed the Enterprise relied too heavily on time travel in the earlier seasons, and that everything that had been said about the Temporal Cold War had already been said. The final appearance of Silic and Daniels in Stormfront Part 2 was a resolution of sorts, with lip service being paid to the Temporal Cold War ending in that timeline, and being repaired by Archer and the crew of the NX-01. But questions still remained, and more importantly, more stories remained. But the Temporal Cold War subplot fizzled before it even got hot, which is not necessarily a bad thing because, like I said, we don't want to overseason that Star Trek stew. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.